We are in mourning this morning because our Packers are not there, but I think we'll be okay. I think we'll be all right. This morning, I want to open up, um, as you know, we're in 1 John. We're looking at that book and really a theme again, and pretty soon I'll stop repeating myself. Um, Pastors have a, a tendency to repeat themselves often, but in the hopes of something will stick. But the thing that we are focusing on is we were going to be Jesus-centered and people-focused. And I just think, well, is there really anything else within the Christian life that is even more important than those two aspects? Is that this is all about Jesus. Him being the center, the affections of our faith. And Him being our all in all. And then in the outflow of that, people come into focus and we begin to minister that healing power of who Jesus Christ is. And without knowing Him, we cannot make Him known. Is it true? It's true, isn't it? So we have to have a deep and intimate relationship with the God of this world and to experience Him, to know Him, and to be in love with Him. And this morning we're going to talk about the word love and loving one another. And I wanted to share first with you this morning is something that happened during our prayer time on Monday morning. We have a time where we intercede for the church. It's really a sweet time from uh, 8.15 to 9.15 and we just intercede. Um, The cool part about it is it's just for Cornerstone. So you have people that are praying for you that are praying for God's best for our church. And it's an exciting time, but during this prayer time, you never know how it's going to go, which is awesome because God always shows up. He has never been unfaithful to speak to us as a group in, in unity, and then we all walk away from there better because we met with the Father. But something was shared um, towards the end of our prayer time and. And the person didn't know if they should share it, but they did. And, and it, it was fitting with what I have even been feeling with the church and, and just life in general. There was a potter. And he was working and he was doing this. Now this, this I'm explaining it from my imagination. Okay? The potter was working, but the only thing bad about the potter working is nobody was on the wheel. Everybody had abandoned the potter's will. So the potter's will was empty. And so the potter had no clay to work with. And so as I was thinking about that this morning, uh, if I could do a cartoon, and, and if you would go with me into my imagination, and maybe you can go there with me, is that there's this piece of clay that's on this wheel, and there's a potter. And that potter is really kind. This potter is really gentle, but at times he seems really cruel because he's beginning to mold that um, that pot, the pottery, and he's the clay. And then sometimes he just has to hit that clay and start all over. And I can just imagine this piece of clay, if he was animated just for a moment, to jump off that clay and look at the potter and say, "What are you doing? That hurts." I thought you were creating something good. And then the potter says, maybe Max Licata will make this book one day. The potter gets off or says, hey, come on, come back on the wheel. I've got something good for you. 
He begins to shape and mold that clay again. And see, the clay is really moldable in the potter's hand at all times. And then again, that, that pot, pot or the clay is going around and then the, the potter, he makes no mistakes because he's perfect. He knows what he's creating. The clay doesn't. But then he has to, he, he sees a little bit of deformity within the clay and then bam, he, he knocks that clay back down. And the clay gets off, if you can imagine it, and the clay says, what are you doing to me? This hurts. I thought you were there. I thought I was there. I was almost ready to go into that fire. <laughs> yeah. Um, and the potter says, come back. Get back on the wheel. I've got something for you. I am molding you and making you. And then the potter begins to work on the clay again. You see, God has a purpose for your life. He has something for you. He has a destiny. He has a great plan for you. But so often are we not like that clay. We want to jump off. And you see, that pot, that clay you see, it really has no right to say anything to the potter. But the potter in his kindness listens to the clay. But you see, the potter wants to use that vessel for his glory. And we all know that when pottery is done well, it actually brings glory. We have a pot that's sending, or not pottery, we have a piece of clay from Turkey on our shelves. There's the most beautiful uh, clay that I've seen, and I hope my kids don't break it. <laughs> but see, I want to challenge us, and this awesome journey that we're on is to get back on the wheel because He has a good purpose for us. And I'm telling you, when we get back on the will, the Creator of all things, He's molding us, He's making us, He's shaping us. And oftentimes I'll go into my own private sanctuary and be singing, You are the potter, I am the clay, mold me and make me. This is what I pray. Because God is wanting to make us into the very image of His Son. The Word says that we are being conformed to the image of Christ. And you see, I wanted to start off this message this morning as talking about an image bearer. I think we can all agree as we can go back to Genesis where it all started and God created man in His own image. And in His image He made man. And you see, so often is I think we get off of it and we don't think clearly enough is that each and every one of us is an image bearer of the Father. Whether you're a Jew or a Gentile, circumcised, uncircumcised, redeemed or unredeemed, it doesn't matter what circle you are in. We are all created in the image of the Father. Isn't that awesome? The redeemed and the unredeemed are created in the image of God. And so when I start this message and, and when, I, when I begin to think about it, I'm thinking, well, how do we treat that image bearer? 
I remember early on in my disciple and as God was beginning, discipleship, God was beginning to really turn my heart around and, and, and to form me into His image and, and begin to speak me, speak me about being an image bearer and the way I treat others is actually the way I'm treating the Father. Because the way we treat an individual, so often we forget about it, but that individual is made in the very image of God. And so how we treat one another is so important. But you guys know, as well as I know, that we don't always treat each other well, do we? And I just want you to know that it's okay. Well, it's not okay, but it's okay. Does that make sense? I'm going to piggyback on last week's lesson. It's okay because we're all sinners. It's okay because we have all sinned. And if we say we, ain't, we haven't ain't, that's Arkansas tongue command. If we ain't sinned, if we, have not, if we say we have not sinned, we are a liar. And we make God out to be a liar. But then he says if you confess your sins, he's faithful and righteous to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. And so last week, I think, was probably the most, should have been, but who knows, should have been for you the most hope-filled sermon that you could ever hear. It's despite your sins that you have a Savior who has died for you to cleanse you. And so, if you can imagine, let's go to this book of 1 John. If you can imagine about an 80 to 90 year old man who has lived life, one of the few disciples that is actually going to die a natural death. One of the, the only disciple. But it's really not that natural after he was burned. <laughs> and they just couldn't kill John. But you think about this. So we're sitting down with an 80 to 90 year old man who's lived life. And knows what life is all about. And remember when we first started this, He actually beheld the Son of God. He actually held life itself. And He is called the disciple whom Jesus loved. And if you go to verses 1 and 2, I want to do a quick overview, although I shared on it last week and I don't want to go back there, but it says, My little children... I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin. And if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. And He Himself is our propitiation for our sins. And not for ours only, but those for those of the whole world. And one thing I didn't talk about last week, and I want to mention this week, that people have gotten off on this very phrase at the very end of of verse 2, but also for those of the whole world. And they assume that everybody is in because of this one statement. And really throw out all the Scriptures, all of Scripture, and say that the whole world is going to be saved, but that's not truth. Because the Bible says, Those who call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. And then Acts 4 and 12 says, There is no other name under heaven which has been given among men 
by which we can be saved. It is Jesus Christ alone. But see, here's the good news, and I want to bring some good news to you this morning, is that if we sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the Righteous One, and He is the very satisfaction of the law of God when He died on the cross. Remember I talked last week about God not being some angry God that was just sitting back there waiting to destroy humans. He was not that way. And then Superman Jesus comes and He jumps on that cross and He saves the world. That is not the case. Although there is a little bit of truth in that. Is that Jesus was the very sacrifice. The atonement. For the sins of the world, the wrath that sin deserved was upon Jesus Christ upon that cross. And we can have freedom because of Him and Him alone. So let's go to verses 3-6. through It says, But this we know, that we have come to know Him if we keep His commandments. The one who says, I have come to know Him and does not keep His commandments is a liar and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps His word in him, the love of God has been truly perfected. By this we know that we are in Him. The one who says He abides in Him ought Himself to walk in the same manner as He walked. Now remember, Have you guys ever been in the presence of somebody who is so fatherly? When you walk into their presence, it's just different. Sometimes you can sense it from a speaker that's speaking to you. Or sometimes you just uh, just happen to, to know somebody and you know who they are and then you walk into their presence and you're like, man, this person knows Jesus. And he's almost like a dad to me. And you see, that's what John is to the church. And that's what he is to us. He is a, he's a father and he knows love. But you see, John has not always been this way. Remember that John was a son, what they call the son of thunder. A passionate one. So passionate when they were walking through Samaria or trying to walk through Samaria and they said, you can't come. And and John says, hey, Jesus, call down fire. Let's destroy these people. And Jesus was like, what spirit are you of, John? And then not only that, John was jockeying for position. Him and his brother, remember, they said, hey, Jesus, uh, we have a request of you. Can we sit by you when you become the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings? And all so much so that all the other disciples got angry with John and indignant. That was the first part of John's life. You see, where you are at right now does not have to define who you are going to become. We see it in John's life. And you see, John is writing this letter and so he says, you're a liar. The truth is not in you if you don't keep the commandments. But whoever keeps His Word in Him, the love of God has truly been perfected. 
And sometimes I just, I am beside myself and if I'm with John, I'm thinking, John, just speak clearly to me, please, I want to know the truth. And I look at these scriptures and I think, well, what are your commandments, Jesus? I'm so confused. There are a thousand voices that I'm hearing and everybody is telling me how I ought to live. Have you guys been there? We've got a thousand great books that are written to tell us how to live. And we forget about this book that has eternal life in it. And so you look at these scriptures like, well, what is the command? What are you talking about, John? But before we get there, we're going to go through somewhere else. And it says this in verse 6, The one who says he abides in Jesus ought himself to walk in the same manner as he walked. And so when we look at this, well, what does that mean? And if you could go to Philippians with me to chapter 2. And we are not a people that have not been given an example how to live. We will have no excuses when we see Jesus face to face. And so it may have been better, and and I've talked about this before, not to even hear these words. So it may be you just need to put earplugs in right now. Just a warning. Because you will be held accountable to what you hear. I don't mean to scare the hell out of you. (laughs) But I am going to. (laughs) And I don't cuss. (laughs) So we take any advantage that we can say words. Just, Just kidding. So, we have this and we are to walk in a manner. The same manner and the same example that we see in Jesus Christ. And the Scripture says we will be without excuse because we are to live as He lived and He left us an example to follow. So it says this in verse 3 of Philippians chapter 2. Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit. But with humility of mind, regard one another as more important than yourselves. Do not merely look out for your own personal interest, but also for the interest of others. And when I look at these Scriptures, I say, Lord Jesus, I struggle with this area. Because Lord, I'm taught through the culture and what I'm hearing daily is that it's all about me. It's all about what I need and where I am going. There's a big I in all of this and I am the center of it all. And then when I look at this, do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind regard one another as more important than myself. You know how hard that is when I'm struggling through life to regard others as more important than I am? And do not merely look out for your own personal interest, but also for the interest of others? And I want to give you this definition of love, and I will say it again after this in a little bit. Love is choosing the highest good or best for God and others. I'll repeat that. Love is choosing the highest best and good for for God and others. 
You know what that definition says? It's not about feeling. If you are a parent, you cannot just all of a sudden say, Hey kid, you've messed up. I don't love you. You've got to go. Now, I don't feel this love. At times, it's not a feeling, it's a choice. That's where this definition is a choice. You see, I can say I love my cat. Well, I don't love cats, and I have no cat. I will eat a cat. I love dogs. Sorry, that had nothing to do with the sermon. Forgive me. Love me. Love me. Love me. Um, Lord Jesus, somebody prayed that I'd have the anointing this morning, and I think I got it. Um, I can feel it. Love is not a choice. And see, it says in verse 5, it goes on in Philippians, Have this attitude in yourselves which also is in Christ Jesus, who although He existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped. And here, just to help us understand, is this word grasp is utilized or asserted. Jesus did not take His very Godhead and utilize it and assert it in any way. But He emptied Himself. He laid aside His privileges. He laid aside His Godhead. And He took the form of a bondservant and being made in the likeness of men. Being found in the appearances of a man. He humbled Himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. For this reason, God highly exalted Him and bestowed on Him the name which is above every name, so that the name of Jesus, at that name, every knee will bow of those who are in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and that every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. You see, Jesus has left us this example of not living for ourselves, but living for others. And as you know and I know, every day, and if you could go back to 1 John 2, every day I am faced with a decision to live for myself or to live for others. And I have to admit to you that oftentimes I live for myself. But I will say this, there are times that I don't. And those times are more glorious than you could ever believe. And I want you to recognize That when you are making choices for others above yourselves, I want you to just take that moment and just say, thank you, Jesus, because I'm becoming more like you. Instead of beating ourselves up so constantly, like, oh, Lord, and I think uh, Paul says this, what wretched man that I am. But by the grace of God, we are who we are. And so, that is a commandment. Now let's go to verse 7 and 8. First John 2, it says, Beloved, I am not writing a new commandment to you, 
but an old commandment which you have had from the beginning. The commandment is the word which you have heard. On the other hand, I am writing a new commandment to you, which is true in Him and in you because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. When I looked at these Scriptures... Is I'm like, John, what are you talking about? Because in one hand, we see in verse 7, he says, I'm not writing a new commandment to you, but an old commandment which you have heard from the beginning. And then in verse 8, he says, on the other hand, I'm writing a new commandment. Well, what is this commandment, John? Just speak very clearly to me. So if I had John in my midst, an 80 to 90 year old, I would do it in very much gentleness and respect and say, John, just speak clearly to me because I don't understand. You said it wasn't a new command, but then you say it was a new command. And I think John would say this to us. I want to make this commandment a refresher for you. You're right, it's not a new commandment. But this word new here is I want to make it fresh to you. And you see, so often we do things over and over and over again that it just becomes white noise. And I've talked about that. It's like we've, we're doing communion at the end of service and I know it's different. But sometimes we just do things over and over and it doesn't, it, it's not real to us anymore. And it's the same with the cross. You can't see it, but it's behind that screen. It's like we look at the cross and we take advantage of the cross and we forget that it's new and it's fresh. Every day that cross should be something new to us. And so John is saying, and I think I'm reminding us this morning, that this Word, this commandment needs to be made fresh to us again. And so, John, please speak to us And make it clear, so if you could go to chapter 3, verse 11. And he's going to make it really clear, and for you that are faster than I am, you probably already know it. It says, for this is the message which we have heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. And then go to verse 23, 24. This is His commandment that we believe in the name of His Son, Jesus Christ, and love one another as He has commanded us. The one who keeps His commandments abides in Him, and He in Him. We know, that, we know by this that He abides in us by the Spirit whom He has given us. So you see, when John says he who keeps his commanded has been perfected, and the love of God is truly in that person. You see, the commandment which is of, from of old in Leviticus 19.18 says, love one another. Love your neighbor as yourself. So this is an old commandment. But Jesus says in, in John 13, Because I think we need to know what love is. Verses 34 and 35. 
Sorry, did I say John 11, 13? Okay, that's right. It says, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another even as I have loved you. That you also love one another. By this all men will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. And he says, what is love? Love is when a man will lay his life down for his friends. You see, Jesus' example to us was not just a mere example, it was a command. That we are to lay our lives down for one another, for the brethren. And when I look through this, we've talked about it, is that remember the light and there is no darkness in God? And I shared with us that so often that God wants to shine His light into our hearts and He wants to expose the darkness. So what I'm praying this morning is that He will expose some darkness in us and that if we are truly not loving one another, that His light would shine upon our hearts. Because we are to choose the highest good and best for God and others. This is a commandment. And Jesus left us with a perfect commandment. And when it says in verse 7, it's the message you've heard from the beginning, I want you to think about the time that you came to Jesus Christ. He truly came in. His kingdom came. And it began to rule and reign in your heart. What happened? You loved everybody. You remember that time that the world was made right in just that moment. Some it was a moment, some it was a process, but over the process, nobody could do no wrong because you just loved everybody because from the beginning, the Spirit was placed in your heart and you could see no wrong. And then what happens in life so often is we become jaded. We become hurt. And we don't look at everybody quite the same as we did when we first came to Jesus. And what I want to do for us this morning is refresh you that no matter how somebody has treated you, no matter what hurt you have faced in life, is that you should walk in love always. And especially towards the brother. You see, when I came to Jesus, I hated the church. I made a vow that I would never belong to a church. Little did I know, when I met Jesus, that all that changed. His love grew in my heart, and then all of a sudden I was like, Lord, I made wrong judgments, but there was something that took birth in my heart that I began to love people where there was no love. And see, I was unlovable, folks. I was 295 pounds with earrings in my ear, tattoos sitting on a pew. Nobody wanted to mess with me, but Jesus did. And He shined His light on my heart. And it made all things new. 
You see, in verse 9-11, through 11, he goes on to say, The one who says he is in the light yet hates his brother is in the darkness until now. You see why it says in darkness until now? Because light is being shined into that darkness. And John's saying, you can't hate. And the one who loves his brother abides in the light, and there is no cause of stumbling in him. And I want to say this, is love is not easily offended. Is that true? But also, I want us to be careful is that we are not offending others. Because you see, we have to be careful. We have to walk in love. We have to walk in such humility when, that when people come into your presence, just like I can imagine John, is that they see Jesus. They actually feel Jesus. And that's what the whole book of John is going to relate to us and unfold over the next months. And then he goes on to say, but the one who hates his brother is in the darkness and walks in the darkness and does not know where he's going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. And a commentator that I was reading, he says this, and I think he sums it up so well. It is impossible to be in fellowship with the Father and out of fellowship with another believer at the same time. And I will ask this, how do you know if you hate your brother or sister? Here's a really logical test. If you have nothing good to say about them, then you're probably not in right fellowship with them. Pretty easy. You see, you can't truly hate someone whom you have been commanded to love and again be in true fellowship with the Father. So I wanted to take this time, Josh, if you wouldn't mind coming up, and I wanted us to examine our hearts. And you see, we could have took communion before the service and really hadn't truly examined our hearts, but I want us to examine our hearts and say, is there really any darkness within me before I take communion? And you see, if there is, if you struggle like I struggle, there is a cross that brings you redemption. And that when you confess, it will wipe your slate clean. And I realized this morning that you can only be in right fellowship with another believer when they also desire to be in fellowship with you. Does that make sense? Let me unpack that just for a moment. Is that not always... Is the other person going to be at peace with you? Okay? Not always. But as you as a believer, you have to do what you can to be at peace with all men. And so I want us, what I want us to do this morning, if you'd stand with me, is I want us to examine our hearts and just ask the Father, Lord, is there any darkness in me? 
And if so, I just want you to take time and just expose those things to Him and ask Him to forgive you. And I want you to know the Word promises that He will. And so this morning, we're going to do communion a little bit different. I'm going to lay it out here on the communion table. And when you are ready, I would like to, you to, I'd like to ask you to come and partake of it yourself. Now the instructions that I would have and I would give to you, one is examine your heart first. And then second is to reflect on the elements. That the bread is His body that was broken for you. And in the cup represents His blood which was spilled for you, which is a new covenant that God made with us. And so after you've examined your heart, you can just, this row, if you would, this side, just come through here and make your way out. And then this side, come through here and make your way out. If you decide to come as a whole family, I would encourage that. But just take time to reflect. And if you can't come forward, Pastor Kathy and Robin will be up here and they will bring the communion to you. But come as you're ready. And so, Father God, we thank You this morning. We thank You, Jesus, that You gave us a perfect example. That Jesus, in You there is no sin. But Lord, we realize that life has jaded us and life has been tough on us. And we realize that we don't live up to Your perfect standard. So Lord, we just ask and pray, Holy Spirit, that You would come and convict us. And that we'd be able to take that conviction and lay it down at the foot of the cross. And again, be at right relationship with You, the Father, and with our brothers and sisters. So Lord, I pray for Your grace this morning. And we thank You for Your body that was broken for us. And we thank You for Your blood that makes us white as snow. We rejoice in that this morning. In Jesus' name. So come as you're ready.